call it a tool, a resource, uh, uh, an alien. You know, it was a physical presence that was a part of your clique, your crew. That was the radio. You know, you were just stuck to your radio dial with two fingers on buttons. Pause, record. You're flipping through the dial, and it wasn't no digital uh, tuning. It was straight. <laughs> Fine tuning, because you might have overshot your situation. You're like, oh, that's static. All right, we good. Hold up. You know, you could go to school and talk about, did you hear this new song this weekend? Or did you hear what Red Alert did? Or did you hear what Chuck Chill out did? You know, you bonded with other people who also kind of were drawn to the music. We're a thousand miles from comfort We're a travel and a sea But as long as you are with me There is no place I'd rather be Hey, it's Gracie, Sarah, and Josie From the Girl Scout Troop 1819, Kukasaki, Athens And you're listening to WGXC Acra at 90.7 FM Keep on being you. You can find out about so many local events, like the traditional Irish music session. Every Sunday, there's an open Irish music jam at the Shamrock House in East Durham from 2 to 5 p.m. Find out more on the WGXC community calendar online at WGXC.org and add your own event to the WGXC community calendar and have it read on the radio at 90.7 FM by going to WGXC.org and clicking on the community calendar. WGXC underwriting support is provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Hudson, a faith community open to all. Whether you are single, married, divorced, gay, wealthy, poor, or no habla inglés, if you are just browsing, just woke up, or just got out of jail, it doesn't matter if you work on Wall Street or if you sleep on Wall Street. You belong. We love soccer moms, crying babies, Vegans, hipsters, seekers and doubters, tourists and locals, all are welcome. Services held Sunday mornings at 1045 a.m. You can find us on the web at firstpreshudson.org. WGXC is made possible in part by the generous ongoing support of Friday Night Racer of Hartsdale, New York. WGXC's sustaining supporters are among the station's most dedicated listeners. They care deeply about creative community radio, and their investment helps to sustain WGXC as a public platform for information, experimentation, and engagement in Greene and Columbia counties. Become a WGXC sustaining supporter today. Go to WGXC.org and and click donate. Thank you for your support. Welcome to Dim the Lights with Jenny. And Amanda, my name is Amanda. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Amanda. It is great to be back in the studio tonight. We haven't been back here in a second because of the snowstorms, but now it seems like the weather has finally turned. And, uh, well, I know you've said you're not ready to trust <laughs> yet, but I may, maybe it's an unwise thing to do, but I'm ready to believe that it is truly spring here in the beautiful Hudson Valley slash Catskills region. It's, I want to believe. I really do. Today is a gorgeous 75-degree day. We've got a couple of 80-degree days coming our way this week. Wild stuff. Can you believe it? It's April. Oh, here we go. Um, so we are a twice-a-month radio show where we just talk about movies. Jenny and I pick a theme each episode, and then we watch movies separately around that theme and then get on the airwaves to talk about what we watched. We don't tell each other what we watched ahead of time because it's a little more fun for us to surprise each other. Um, but before we get into tonight's theme, we are going to talk about what's playing in the theaters in the area of WGXC's reach right now. I'm going to start off with the Wyndham Theater, which is in Wyndham, New York. We have the Super Mario Brothers movie, the new one, not <laughs> the uh, Bob Hoskins one. A <laughs> shame. Um, we have John Wick 4, and we have Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. 
You can find out more about Showtimes at WyndhamTheater.com. That's W-I-N-D-H-A-M Theater.com. And now I'm going to tell you what's playing at the Crandall Theater over in Chatham. We have Carol King, Home Again, live at Central Park, Creed 3, Happy Feet, No Bears, Return to Soul, The Lost King, The Lorax, Mary Cassatt Painting the Modern Woman, 2040, A Good Person, A Thousand and One, and the Farm Film Festival. And you can find more information about these showtimes at crandalltheater.org. Amazing. I'm going to tell you, sweet listeners, about what is playing at the Spotlight Cinema in Hudson, New York, otherwise known as the Eight Screen Theater on Fairview Avenue next to Tractor Supply. Uh, Jenny, we have a Jesus movie. <gasps> we have a movie called His Only Son. It's his season. His Only Son, Air, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, Super Mario Brothers movie, John Wick Chapter 4, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, Cocaine Bear, and Scream, the new Scream, Scream 5. Uh, that is everything that's playing this week at the Spotlight Cinemas. There's also a little pop-up on their website that says, please join us on May 18th for the premiere showing of Fast X. <gasps> and get your tickets ahead of time. Oh, wow. And they also have $5 Tuesdays at this theater. You can find out more about all of that at SpotlightCinemas.com. I'm a big fan of the $5 Tuesday. Oh, who Delightful. doesn't love a good deal? Delightful. Who doesn't love a good deal? All right. Now I'm going to tell you what's playing at the Upstate Cinemas, starting with the location in Rhinebeck, otherwise known as the Star Cinema. We have Close Up, showing up with director Kelly Reichardt. Uh, Close Up, 32 Seconds. True Stories. Little Richard, I Am Everything. Forward number two, How to Blow Up a Pipeline, Geographies of Solitude, Concert for George, and What the Hell Happened to Blood, Sweat, and Tears. <laughs> and now I'm going to tell you what's playing at the Orpheum Theater, which is the upstate cinema in Saugerties. We have live from upstate, Murmur, R-E-M, membered. <laughs> the word remembered, but the R-E-M is like R-E-M, the band. <laughs> uh, paint, The Great Gatsby, a live radio play, exclamation point. Little Richard, I Am Everything, The Secret Life of Plants, What the Hell Happened to Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Carol King, live from Central, Central Park, The Last Waltz, Watt Stacks, and Prince Sign of the Times. And you can find these specific showtimes at upstatefilms.org. A lot of those um, concert movies or music movies are happening because they just installed a really new amazing sound system in Ooh. both upstate cinemas. Uh, so they're doing a whole series that focuses on music movies. So oh, that's so cool. I'm excited to see True Stories. Yeah, I've never seen it. Wouldn't mind going to see Sign of the Times either. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to tell you about what's playing at TSL, otherwise known as Time and Space Limited, here in Hudson, New York. Um, there's a lot playing there at all times, so we encourage you to go to their website to look at the whole calendar. But this week, we have playing Little Richard, I Am Everything, Nam June Pike, Moon is the Oldest TV, Gods of Mexico, Shepherd and Dark, Pacification, Darren Aronofsky's Pie. <laughs> oh, that's right. That also just got a restoration. Uh, I've never seen it, even though like I was in high school at the time yeah, when everyone was obsessed with it. I saw it in college. <laughs> uh, rewind and Play, Juniper. And that is what we have for this week. But again, their calendar is very extensive. So please head over to timeandspace.org to check out more about what is playing this month at TSL in Hudson. Wow. It's the beginning of the blockbuster season, kind of. Summer's coming for us. I feel it. It's coming It's coming down the pike. We're going to have some great flicks coming our way. It's all happening. It's all happening. <laughs> the plants are blooming. The sun is shining. Well, Fast burn. X is playing uh, soon. Uh, <laughs> it's so exciting. Can you believe it? I really want to see Gods of Mexico, too. Oh, yeah, me too. Looks great. Yeah. There's a lot of great movies out. I know. They just never stop. I know. As we say every time. I wish they would stop just to let me <laughs> please, catch up, but please. it's okay. I'm, I'm also glad Give that me they a break. keep going. 
Um, so tonight we have a theme that proved actually kind of difficult to find <laughs> uh, movies for. Jenny, what's our theme? Our theme tonight is serendipity, coincidences, chance. Oh, exactly. You know, when uh, weird things are happening and they all seem to have some form of alignment. And it's like, I thought this was random, but it turns out it's all connected. Yeah, maybe destiny is real. Um, <laughs> I found this difficult to find movies for because mo- most stories involve <laughs> an element of chance as a plot device or a way to like get a story going. So I really tried to find movies that were really, really about chance (laughs) Uh, or coincidence or serendipity, which is hard. They're out there, um, but uh, I only managed to get in two in the time that we had uh, leading up to this show. But they were okay. Yeah. I also, I watched two and then I tried to watch one last night and I didn't make it all the way to the end. Mm -mm. So I don't even know how connected it all was, (laughs) frankly. Yeah. Yeah. I know. The one I watched, I also watched one last night to a time that was too late for this little big baby um and i think it counts but it also it ain't perfect it's no magnolia well <laughs> oh, since you brought it up <laughs> uh, let's go <laughs> so the first movie i watched for this theme was magnolia paul thomas anderson's movie from 1999 a great year for mm-hmm. film frankly mm-hmm. um i had never seen it before but had always wanted to also, please allow me to take this moment to uh, disclaim that Brass Kill is playing in the room next to us. Yes, there <laughs> is a brass band that is beloved by the community and myself, um, but they are practicing in the room next to us. And so when that happens, we tend to get a little distracted during our broadcast. The, the beat just takes us away. We can't help it. Exactly. It's too groovy. Um, so I'm hearing those horns. We're hearing those horns just bumping next door. Um, they sound great. They're great because they practice. <laughs> <laughs> Makes all bands great to practice. Exactly. There's only one way to get to Carnegie Hall, baby. <laughs> Whoa. Wait, how? Pra- just just oh, oh, wow. I'm so gullible. <laughs> it's like Car- Carnegie okay, Hall. Uh, you know, practice, Jenny. Pra- practice is like the, the joke. Um, but yeah. So, and then we're also like a little unprepared yeah, for this yeah. one. All right. You don't have to, know, you don't right. have to show our hand like I that. <laughs> I feel like being honest so I can be closer to our listening You're audience. right. You're right. It's good to be honest. Um, but let's just say it's the brass band. So <laughs> tell me about so. Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia, which I have seen, was going to rewatch for this, but I try to watch things I've never seen. Yeah, totally. So I didn't rewatch it. It's also a bit of a commitment because it is three hours and 10 minutes long. It's long. Which is absolutely needed for the really complicated story it's telling. Yeah. Um, it's one of those movies that... As soon as I finished it, I was like, I need to watch this again to really understand it because I feel like there's so much going on that I'm missing a lot of it. And I can tell Mm -hmm. that it's a masterpiece Mm -hmm. (laughs) as it's like washing over me. Mm -hmm. But even so, I feel like I'm not quite grasping it as as well as I want to. Like I'm I'm, I like all the individual elements so much that I'm like, I want to see this again so that I can really like fully soak in it. Exactly. It's a huge undertaking to tell a story that is a a. so many it's it's a bunch of interwoven characters like that's the story um or the basis of it is like interweaving storylines uh a huge undertaking pt very capable did a great job it's no phantom thread it's i mean like no movie is phantom thread. exactly like it's <laughs> it's i think it's a great movie i don't think it's one of pt's best it's also one of his earliest yes. it's like he got it's kind of um like he had such success with boogie nights that the studios were just like sure do whatever you want yeah and so what i learned i did a little bit of reading about magnolia immediately after i watched it because i was like it. i have so many questions um and one of the things i saw was that uh like it went way long on filming like way longer than it was supposed to because he just kept having more ideas and had to add all of these things in to like make the story complete yeah um it has that energy to it right uh, where it's like and because it is all of these interlocking stories that have these like coincidental moments of like connection it makes sense that he was like oh i was writing this one story and then i realized i had to tell this other bigger story um, which just to give you like, I'm going to do my best to give you a basic, yeah, <laughs> like the most basic understanding of this movie because it's impossible to summarize. Um, I read the Wikipedia page and again just to check and I was like, uh, I mean, even this isn't a perfect summary, frankly. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Um, but 
it takes place in Los Angeles in the San Fernando Valley. Um, and the whole movie is framed by these three stories of um, extreme chance. Mm-hmm. Where I mean, they're all really sad stories of extreme chance. Um, and maybe it's only two. Uh, I, might, I, I might, frankly can't it might remember. only be two. <laughs> I can't but, but one of them is about um, a fire fight, uh, a fire that's being put out. Um, but uh, a man is scuba diving and he gets scooped up by the big, uh, the big airplanes that dump water oh God, on totally the fire. About that. Um, and he's killed inside of the in of a heart. He dies of a heart attack while he's inside of the plane that scoops up the water. Yeah. Um, and they find him at the top of a tree after the fire is put out. And it turns out that he uh, he's played by Patton Oswalt <laughs> and he is a, <laughs> he's a dealer at a casino. And one of the firefighters, or no, I'm so sorry, the pilot of the plane had played at his blackjack table the night before. And so he, like, tragically commits suicide because of the guilt. Yeah. Of having, he's like, I knew that man, and I scooped him up in my plane and dropped him over the fire. Oh, and it's so, and it's like, starts with that, and then another sad coincidence story of uh, a young man who um, also wishes to commit suicide by jumping off of the roof of his building. Um, But as he's jumping, he would have landed safely in a net, but his parents are having an argument in the third floor down and they accidentally shoot a gun out the window and kill him as he's falling. Yes, that I do remember. It's like these two really weird specific coincidences that are like have tragic consequences um, where like you simply could not have known the scope no. of the story like there's no like nobody involved could have done anything to change it no, so it's, like it's truly extreme coincidence. Yeah. um and so like that's the frame narrative of the movie to kind of get you set up with these like looking for these coincidences in mind um and then for most of the movie i kind of like forgot that because you're yeah. just so you get so engrossed in all of these kind characters of prologue, like yeah the, those characters never reappear right it's just a little piece just a little taste mm-hmm. um and so you are just watching um, all of these different characters who all who are all living in the San Fernando Valley, the one of whom who I think like they really wanted to be or not they but like the studios really wanted to market as like the main character and Paul Thomas Anderson was like no he's not the main character it's an ensemble piece mm-hmm. um, which it truly is but Tom Cruise plays a very memorable role it's... <laughs> um, as a like pickup artist. Like a um, men's rights, a men's guy. rights. He's like a he's like a men's rights um, motivational speaker, mm-hmm. but like with the uh, energy of a pickup artist. Like he's he's yeah. giving men tips on how to trick women into having sex with yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he is incredible. That's the he's thing. I, so good. <laughs> I remember most about Magnolia because again, like so much to remember about it, and it's been years. But the performances stick out so well they're so good i think tom cruise won the oscar for best supporting actor as for that role. Have, i'm pretty sure incredible yeah because it is he's so good in it um it's, i mean it's just especially here in hindsight like knowing that tom cruise is like a really intense person yeah he like i mean he just gives such a good performance um but so you have like multiple stories one is his um and then you find out later that one of the other storylines which involves julianne moore who mm-hmm. is married to this very um, ill man who's like dying of cancer um, who's much older than her um, it turns out that they are connected because he is Tom Cruise's father mm-hmm. but they're estranged from each other so that's one other story <laughs> those those are two of the many storylines where like you're following Julianne Moore and this man who is dying um, whose nurse is played by Philip Seymour Hoffman who's also really good um, and Julianne Moore is like going through her own emotional catharsis so that's one piece mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you have another piece which is um it's also like star-studded. It's yeah, so crazy. We got John C. Riley up in we there. We got so John C. Riley plays a police officer who is um, not great at his job, <laughs> <laughs> frankly, um, and he is repeatedly running into all of these different crimes that are going on, which like end up coming back in different ways in the movie. Um, but he also has a it's like almost a meet cute, except it's not um, that like innocent. He has like a really uh, weird <laughs> interaction with a young woman um the actor who is let me pull that i I can't remember but she so she is like when we're introduced to her she's like clearly struggling with a drug addiction um 
and she has a really estranged relationship from her father who turns out to be the producer of a TV show which we'll get back to that <laughs> um, but she um, who is she Oh, Melora Walters. Mm -hmm. I've seen her in some stuff before, but she's also great. Um, so she has like a little like romance with John C. Riley, and that's like another huge storyline that's taking up some time. That's really fascinating because they have like a very sweet relationship because they're both really troubled. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're really troubled in really different ways. Um, excellent foils to each other. And then so she's estranged from her father, who is the host of a game show, which is about kids competing with adults on trivia it's kind of like a jeopardy style yeah. but it's like a panel of three children and a panel of three adults it's called what do kids know <laughs> so good so good. Uh, and so he is the host of that but he has also just found out that he's been diagnosed with cancer and is dying um, and he has an estranged relationship with his daughter who's the person having an uh, a romantic moment with john c Riley, and on this TV show, also, the next set of uh, this next set of contestants in the uh, story um, is one of the the children on the panel is uh, another main character named Stanley. Uh, and he is incredibly brilliant and he is like carrying the kid team <laughs> to the top. Um, but he also has a really contentious relationship with his father because his dad's really mean to him, <laughs> even though he's like a genius kid and he's kind of like using him as a cash cow. Yeah. Um, and this is all connected to the Tom Cruise story because uh, Tom Cruise is a estranged father. It's a movie about estranged fathers. It's a, it's a, a bad dad movie. It's a bad dad movie. Oh, it's like, oh that's a great um, theme we should yeah, do as bad dads. Yeah, we have to do bad dads. There's a lot of bad dads There's movies. There's so many bad dads. Um, but so this is all connected to Tom Cruise because Tom Cruise's estranged father is the producer of the television station connected. like he's like it's like peacock media or something yeah. like <laughs> as though it's nbc you uh -huh. know <laughs> um and so you have all of these storylines and then there's also one with william h macy who's like a former kid from the show what do kids know and he's now an adult like struggling to come to terms with like you know not not like not he's being famous right, he's no longer well he's still famous but he has no money and he has mm -hmm. like no skills because he was just like a smart kid on a tv show and now he's like a struggling adult who's like stealing from his boss yeah um and so you have all of these people who have this like very interconnected uh like web where they're all like they're all touching each other all the time in these different like they're just brushing past each other um but you don't actually see any of them really interacting with each other. It's just this like, you know, one person's walking down a street and then like, you know, walks past something and then somebody else walks past that thing later. So it's mm -hmm. like it's they're all interconnected. They're all kind of like touching the same stuff. Uh, and it's just a story about like it's kind of like 24 hours almost in L.A. where like everything's really weird. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> where it's like all it's it's a very interesting um kind of like structure for a movie because it's a lot of like build up build up and then like deflation and then building it up again and then deflating it in this way that like keeps you occupied for three hours and 10 minutes <laughs> but you're like kind of always waiting for something really crazy to happen yeah and it doesn't until the very end and then you do get something that like kind of brings all of them together in a major way yeah um which is what i was waiting for and also i'm like really shocked that nobody ever told me that that's how that movie i'm just like impressed I don't even oh should i say it no okay. i mean yeah well there's just a moment where all of a sudden a storm rolls in and a bunch of frogs have been picked up and they all get dropped on LA and it's right. raining frogs and it like messes everybody's situation up but it also like kind of solves all their problems at once Ugh, amazing and it's it's so incredible and I just was so impressed that like I've been meaning to watch this movie for years and nobody ever mentioned the frog rain I totally forgot about <laughs> it and it's funny too because like um much like incidences of it raining frogs which like has been reported to happen before and like is is proven somewhat disproven it's debated right so i think the two stories that are told in the prologue of that movie are also like said to be true right like this is a story of something that but it's also you get um during the raining frogs like it feels very mythical and unreal but there's a scene of Stanley in the library who's the little kid and he just like says quietly to himself like this is something that happens because <laughs> it's like he's read about it. It's so good. Um, and a really fun thing that I found out when I was reading about Magnolia is that the guy who plays um, Julianne Moore's husband and Tom Cruise's dad, uh, he, I believe it was him, it might have been the, um, 
the game host, the game show host, but I'm pretty sure it was him. He was talking to Paul Thomas Anderson after he read the script. And he was like, oh, I was in a rain. I was in a frog rain once. Amazing. <laughs> uh, amazing. And it's wow. like, what a, what a coincidence. What a coincidence. <laughs> um, amazing job recapping Magnolia. Ooh. That was a real uh, sprint. Sorry. I know that was, I, I'm, it wasn't like, a, <laughs> it felt heavy really lifting. Like Herculean effort. <laughs> I don't, it wasn't like a perfect summary, but I feel like that's a really good basis of like, just here. It's all of these different people who all have something in common with each other, but they don't know it. They also don't know that they're connected to each other. And that's part of what's so satisfying. Yeah. Um, and they're also, they're like, living in completely different worlds even though they're all in the same neighborhood yeah uh and it's just it's a beautiful movie it's so good a really similar and i i was also maybe going to rewatch this movie for the show and i didn't end up doing it but a very similar like we're all interconnected in la movie is robert altman's mm-hmm. shortcuts yeah um which is also a fantastic movie but really make like those movies feel very different shortcuts of magnolia because i mean shortcuts is far more comedic but it's also um in very Oltman style, like the peaks that you get into people's lives are a lot less intimate. Mm-hmm. There's they're they're not cursory, but they're a lot less in depth. So again, like it's it's far less tragic. Yeah, um, yeah. I was really surprised by how dark Magnolia is. Like, yeah. it's, everybody's at like a crisis point in their yeah. lives, basically. Like every character. Yeah. Um, which is not like it's not that I like Paul Thomas Anderson's movies are pretty dark, and they're also really funny. Yeah. And like Magnolia has a lot of humor to it. But I was surprised. I was like, this is very dramatic. Yeah, it's really dramatic. <laughs> and shortcuts. Um, it is more of like a zoomed out look at like mm-hmm. how funny this, these like we're, we all live in a city. We're all so interconnected. Uh, it's more about that or the, uh, yeah, the scope isn't as microscopic. Yeah, or, like, totally. It's not as zoomed in. It's, it's just more about, uh, the whole web and right. the funniness of all of it. Um, I love that. Yeah, no, it's great. It's, and again, like not, it's no lesser than Magnolia, but they, they are really different because right. Magnolia takes more time to, I mean, it takes three hours right. to really <laughs> go into everyone who's involved. Right. They're doing different projects. Yeah. Cause also Magnolia is doing so much with like, yeah, with like trauma, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. generational trauma and like, yeah, bad dads. <laughs> exactly. And, and shortcuts <laughs> takes on a more like anthology. Yeah. Totally. Look. Um, yeah, it's really fun. Uh, wow. I'm really happy that you finally watched Magnolia. Was, I'm so glad. It is kind of the number one candidate for this theme. Yeah, totally. It's uh, when you Google movies about coincidence, it's like, it's, well, have you heard about Magnolia? Magnolia is the, <laughs> it's the movie for it. It's like, they talk about <clears throat> it explicitly in the flick. Yep. Um, uh, wait, wait, so where can you watch Magnolia right so now? So it's only available for renting right now. Um, it's two ninety nine if you want to rent it. All right. Well worth it for three hours, yeah, over three hours. Exactly. That's it's less than a dollar a minute. <laughs> <laughs> or a dollar an hour. It's a dollar an hour. <laughs> it's very um, affordable. So like I said, I had a hard time finding movies for this episode uh, that were truly as good of a fit as Magnolia. Because there are many movies that could apply but it really just start like the story just starts with a coincidence rather than being steeped in coincidence mm-hmm. technically like most rom-coms are like right pretty woman like pretty like, much all meet cutes start yeah, with a coincidence exactly so um i started <laughs> i started out watching the john cusack movie serendipity uh, but i stopped because it sucks it's not good <laughs> um it's so it's i was like this isn't a hallmark movie that's insane because it so has brutal. that vibe <laughs> yeah. um but i did watch a rom-com for it which again like it was better a better fit but still not quite right i mean nothing's gonna fit like magnolia does, or not nothing but you know mm-hmm. magnolia I'm really fits. trying to know what you watched. um i watched a movie from 1994 called It Could Happen to <gasps> You, <gasps> starring Nicolas Cage, favorite of the show, and Bridget Fonda, and Rosie Perez, Cute. and Wendell Pierce. Oh my gosh. Um, and Nicolas Cage is a New York City cop from Queens uh, called Charlie Lang. Mm-hmm. And he loves his job. He loves his life. He's a real, he's a real good cop. This is fiction, people. Um, <laughs> but he is, you know, as far as we witness as the audience goes, he is a good guy. He plays stickball in the street with the neighborhood kids at night. He's friends with everybody in the area that he patrols. His best buddy is his partner, Bo, who's played by Wendell Pierce. 
They have a great relationship. He is a solid stand-up guy, and he loves his life. He doesn't want anything different. His wife, however, Rosie Perez, whose name is Muriel, uh, she wants money. She, she is into the glam life. That's what she wants. She doesn't like living in Queens. She doesn't like their little apartment. Charlie's perfectly happy, but she is not. She, she, uh, yeah, she wants to be a celeb, basically. So one day, Charlie, Nicolas Cage, goes into a diner where we run into our second main character, Bridget Fonda, who is uh, Yvonne. And Yvonne is having one of the worst days of her life. Uh, she was in a relationship with... She was used to be an actor, and she was in a relationship with another actor played by Stanley Tucci. Who we don't really need to know his character's name. He's just supposed to be like... <laughs> he's the Stanley Tucci. Yeah, he's the, the schmuck ex. Yeah. <laughs> so they were married, and uh, she can't get a divorce because it's too expensive to get a divorce, quite simply. And she is... She earlier in her day was at the courts filing for bankruptcy, unfortunately, because she can't. Yeah, she can't afford the divorce. Uh, She's can't afford anything. She's like maxed out on her credit cards. She is really down on her luck. And she's a diner waitress and her boss is terrible, um, really nasty. But she is clearly much like our main character or our other main character. Charlie is very, very kind, um, loves people, loves the people she is around every day. Um, so Charlie and his partner go for coffee there. They got to leave before their food comes. And so he's getting the bill just for the coffees and he has enough to cover the coffee, but he doesn't have enough for a tip. And she's like, whatever, man, I'm having the worst day of my life. Like, yeah, just get it. It's, it's on you. Fine. It's like on me <laughs> yeah. officer or whatever. Just get out of here. And he's like, no, like that's, that's not my vibe. I'm a good guy. Um, And earlier in the day, he, at his wife Muriel's request, had bought a lottery ticket based on a dream that she had. Um, And he's like, all right, how about this? Uh, If I win the lottery, I'll come back and I'll split it with you. Whoa. And if I don't win it, I'll just come back tomorrow and give you your tip. Um, And she's like, yeah, okay, literally whatever. Whatever. Come on, man. Just pay me. (laughs) Um, And I, I should mention, too, that Rosie Perez, Muriel... Um, told her husband to select these certain numbers based on her dream. And one of the numbers was the day of their wedding or what her, she thought of their anniversary. Mm-hmm. But they have two kind of because they were married in the court mm-hmm. the day before. So Charlie picks a different date than the one she had in mind. And he gets home. He gives her the ticket. And she's like, you picked the wrong numbers. You bobo. She's really, <laughs> Do you even love me? Yeah, she's really mean to yeah. him. Um, and then the numbers are red. <gasps> they win the lottery, the baby. Right it could happen to you. It could happen to you. And because, even though this is insane, because he is a man of his word, he is, and <laughs> Rosie Perez is reasonably pissed when he's like, yeah, we have to split the it's money. It's like what? It's not like she knows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have to split the money with this random waitress. Um, but because he's a man of his word and goes through with it, despite uh, Rosie Perez's protests, um, he goes back to Bridget Fonda, and he splits the money with her. And they, because of that, they become famous. It's a very like New York story. Yeah, like totally. we're getting a lot of um, New York headlines. headlines. Yes. Oh God, yeah. I love that stuff. New York Post headlines. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it's a rom-com. Most of the movie is about, like, Nicolas Cage and Bridget Fonda realizing that they're far more similar to each other than, you know, Nicolas Cage and his wife, Muriel, Rosie Perez, um, who is just about spending that money. You know, every time Nicolas Cage, like, will give some money to a homeless person and Rosie Perez like whips it back out of the cup. Oh my she's, God. Like, she's a really greedy person. <laughs> she's loving her moneyed life. Um, so like, how am I going to wrap this up? So, wrong home. <laughs> whatever. They, they, do they fall in love? They fall in love. <laughs> they fall in love. And uh, Muriel realizes that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. She divorces Nicholas Cage mm-hmm. and she just gets worse and worse as a person. She's like, I'm going to take all of, the money because I'm the one who wanted you to get the ticket and I'm going to take all the money that you promised <gasps> to that woman. Whoa, Rosie. Yeah. So she becomes our true villain, uh, through the public court hearings and all that. Um, you know, people 
Bas- they unfortunately lose the court case. Mm-hmm. They lose all their money, but they have each other. That's great. It's beautiful. Yeah. And everybody in New York is rooting for their Aww. love. They're all rooting for their love. Um, and because they're so beloved and such generous people, there's like the heartwarming moment at the end of the movie where uh, all these people all over send little bits of money Aww. to them. Can they cr- first crowdfund. Yeah. First ex- crowdfund. Exactly. <laughs> like going viral, getting yeah. crowdfunded. They don't ask for it, but yeah. all of a sudden, you know, they, they're like, all right, we're bankrupt. So originally when... Um, Bridget Fonda was given the money. She bought the diner mm-hmm. that she Aww. was working at. And then she's, you know, they lose all their money. So she's losing the diner. They're like, Nicholas Cage is like, I have a brother up in, cousin up in Buffalo. Like, we can just move there. Like, you know, it'll be okay. Um, so the how everybody finds out about their unending kindness, even in the face of uh, this big downfall, is we have a, a kind of... Clarence the Angel type mm. narrator mm-hmm. Isaac Hayes oh. is I forget his character's name but he's kind of a narrator of the story and an undercover uh, journalist who while Nicolas Cage and Bridget Fonda are having their last night in the diner before they can ju- they have to just get Say out goodbye. of this town that knows about all of their troubles uh, Isaac Hayes' character comes dressed as a man down on his luck asking for a bowl of soup and they're like, of course, come in. Because she, you know, Bridget Fonda at her diner had a table set up just for that, for people who oh, couldn't afford to eat. She's a good lady. She's a good lady, and she loves to give, yeah. just like Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Um, and he secretly takes pictures of them. Oh, my God. <laughs> being sweet and being generous, even when they have nothing. Um, and so that's when everybody sends in the they money. Because Isaac Hayes writes an article about it. Uh, and they get $600,000 accumulatively from... All those New Yorkers. Wow. That's you know, beautiful. It's New York, baby. We look out for each other. What a funny, um, yeah. almost internet age movie that it, like, it's obviously it isn't because it's from the 80s. Yeah. But it has a uh, crowdfunding and undercover prank. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's obviously <laughs> extremely simple. Yeah, totally. But very sweet. You know, I it's not steeped in coincidence quite as much as magnolia is but at least you have you know like i mean you have the isaac hayes character who is is but a journalist but also kind of this angelic figure that like you get that figure that's kind of aware of the wheel totally yeah (laughs) and i just i also i mean you know i always love a a lottery number that comes up and it's like what are the odds yeah exactly (laughs) it could happen to you (laughs) um this movie was directed by andrew bergman and written by jane anderson i did not look up their other work um and this is also based on a oh yeah so okay jane anderson wrote like some kind of other fun cheesy 90s movies like how to make an american quilt and Mm -hmm. stuff like that Mm -hmm. um this movie is based semi-based on a true story uh about here it comes. The true story of Phyllis Penzo and officer Robert Cunningham. For 24 years, Penzo served as a waitress at Sal's Pizzeria in Yonkers. Cunningham, a 30-year veteran of the police force in nearby Dobbs Ferry, was a regular customer at the restaurant, well-liked by the staff there. His favorite dish was linguine with clams. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, on one day, March 1984, Cunningham asked Penzo for help picking his weekly lottery numbers. Penzo suggested three numbers, and Cunningham came up with three more numbers. Cute. Uh, Cunningham joked that if he won, he would split the winnings. The next day, he did win, and uh, they did split the money. That's so sweet. Yeah, I love really that. Sweet. It's a collaboration, baby. They didn't fall in love in real life because they were both happily married, but it's Fine, very I sweet that this, you know... Yeah, they were wow. true to the promise. It's a, it's a great seed for a story. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's a real story about karma. Yeah, totally. That yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get what's coming to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, um, yeah, of course, Rosie Perez does not end up well. Right, totally. She marries a rich dude who is a scammer and oh. steals her money. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. Which, You're too greedy. When I'm thinking about Rosie Perez, it makes me sad. But when I think about her As character, Muriel, like, she's I'm like, bad. She's nasty. She's nasty. She's not nice. Um, so that's if uh, it could it happen, happen to you, you from 1994, <laughs> which is also uh, only available for purchase right mm. now. But was it worth the 3.99? Maybe not. <laughs> but it's hard to find. And if you like rom coms, it's cute. 
It's, you know, to some, it may be worth it. I yeah. think it's worth, uh, you know, if that sounded exciting to you, yeah. maybe it's a great thing to throw on yeah. in the evening while you're like knitting the scarf. Yeah. When they still have the money before um, Muriel leaves Charlie, uh, there's like a sweet scene where he takes all the neighborhood kids from his oh. neighborhood in Queens to Yankee Stadium. Oh. So they all get to play ball in Yankee Stadium. I mean, with that cast, it's like, it's just fun to hang out with them for yeah. an hour and a half, you yeah, know? Exactly. I'm having a good time. Exactly. Everybody <laughs> looks cute. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that Whoa. was the first one I watched. Oh my gosh. Okay. I also watched a silly rom-com. <gasps> so this is an excellent segue. I was when you started talking about it, I was like, did we watch the same one? But no, different. Ooh. A different rom-com. I watched Sliding Doors, a movie which I like I feel like I reference the term Sliding Doors all the time, but I kind of I knew it was a movie, but I didn't know anything about it. So yeah. I was like, it's time to watch it. I have heard about this movie. I feel like I vividly remember the cover from it. Mm-hmm. And the two it, Gwyneths. Yes, it did also end up on my list, but I missed it. Tell me about Sliding Doors. Please toys. allow me. It's from 1998. Also a real uh, sweet spot for rom-coms. Yes, it is. Uh, it's streaming on HBO. Let me just get out of, get that out of the way now in case you want to watch it yeah, tonight. Just press play right now. Don't even listen. <laughs> don't, don't worry. You don't need to hear me talk about it. Uh, it stars Gwyneth Paltrow doing her best British accent. Ugh. She's kind of doing a bit of a Kira Knightley thing, obviously pre Kira Knightley, but yeah. I was like, oh, interesting. Like, that's how you get a British accent out is to like do like a strong jaw. Funny, <laughs> funny. But so it's about her. She uh, works as a PR person at a fashion agency um, and she arrives to work one morning only to be sacked because <gasps> she took home some vodka for her birthday. Um, and she didn't replace it in time. And so the execs didn't have anything to offer some people who were visiting in town. And so they decide to just fire her. Oh, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> and so as she's leaving the office, she uh, attempts to get on the train. But in one reality, she makes it. And in another reality, she doesn't make it to the train. The doors close on her. She can't get on. This is a really th- you picked a good one for this theme. It's it is a perfect that is coincidence. On the money theme. Yeah, it's a great. I mean, it's a great movie for this. It's not a great movie. Yeah, <laughs> to be very clear, but I just want to preface it with it's pretty boring, but <laughs> it's fine. I enjoyed my hour and a half that I spent watching it. Um, but so in the reality where Gwyneth gets on the train in time, she meets a very nice man who is played by uh, John Hanna, who you may recognize as the brother from The Mummy. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> who I actually quite like. I think he's quite good in this movie. He's pretty charming. Nice. Uh, and so the two of them strike up a conversation, even though she really doesn't want to talk to him. And mm-hmm. he, But he's like, ah, come on, man. <laughs> What's going on with you? Why, why are you so glum? And then he feels really <laughs> bad when he finds out that she just got fired. And so, you know, they have a nice chat. They have like a little like they clearly are having a fun time talking to each other. And she gets off the train and she goes up to her apartment where she lives with her boyfriend, played by John Lynch, who I think is very hot. He is in the terror um, minor character. but I'm going to tell you anyway, yeah, he plays he? the like older guy with the big beard who's like a nurse. Yeah. He's not the like main doctor, but the other doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I Love him. I think he's really sexy. <laughs> I, I'm gonna um, look up yeah, a look, look him up while you keep telling me about it. Um, but anyway, doesn't matter. That's just that's a little thing for me. That's just a treat for Jenny. Just a little Jenny treat. Just a little Jenny treat. But so uh, she goes up to her apartment where she lives with her boyfriend, and what's happening? But he's got a he's got a lady oh, over. Oh, he's so hot. He's so hot. I knew you would think so too. Oh yeah, yeah. no, no. He's like <laughs> this. It's my bag, baby. Yeah, that's now that he looks like a doggy. He looks like he looks like a sheep yeah. dog, and he's got like a very deep voice, and he's like very soft-spoken in the terror and i'm like oh my goodness mm-hmm. i love you yeah he's got doggy eyes yeah <laughs> but so uh he's invited his ex over and they are uh in a delicate position Uh-oh. to put it lightly and politely for radio before 10 p.m mm-hmm. uh, and gwyneth gets very upset obviously yes, and kicks her out and she's so angry and she leaves in a huff because she's like i can't believe you do this to me she breaks up with him however in the reality where Gwyneth doesn't make it on the train in time, she goes up to the street to catch a cab instead, and somebody tries to mug her, and she gets <gasps> knocked down, and so she has to go to the hospital. And so she goes to the hospital, gets a little Band-Aid on her forehead, because she got a little cut on her forehead, and then by the time she's out of the hospital and back to her apartment, her boyfriend, the the woman that he invited over, she's already gone. Yeah. She's come and left. Yeah. And she's so none the wiser. She's none. Th- so Gwyneth gets there and she's like, oh, it's weird that you've been in bed all day, but like 
fine, whatever. And they stay together. <gasps> so then the movie becomes two movies where you're watching the side by side realities the of whole time. the entire time. What? You're watching half half of the movie is Gwyneth after she's broken up with her boyfriend and she's dealing with that. She gets a hot haircut as you do when you break up. Of course. And she's spending a lot of time with her best friend. And she starts running into that guy that she met on the train again, and, and they strike up a little relationship. But then you're also watching, what happens if Gwyneth doesn't know that her boyfriend's cheating on her? Wait, 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 wait. I just yes. want to be entirely crystal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're watching an entirely split screen movie. It, no, it's not split screen. Oh, I oh my god! Oh my! I was gonna be like, that, would be that so is one much of better. the boldest choices I've ever heard of. No, a whole oh movie of split screen. Okay, that would be so hard god. to watch. No, yeah. no, no, no. It goes like it's like scene one with Gwyneth when she has the little. It's also like. Uh, because she gets the little cut on her head that's how you tell the two apart for a while until she gets her hot haircut and then it's like okay there's like the one with the hot haircut and that's how you know she's the one who broke up and the one who still has her old hair Mm. and that's how you know that she's still dating her her boyfriend who's a scumbag okay and so you get like a scene of one of them and then you get basically the same scene but it's like you know their lives progress in different directions because they've they've She's made such a pivotal choice in one reality. And in the other reality, she doesn't get to make that choice. And so it's like a really cool concept because it is just like, ah, sliding doors. Like what would happen if... A multiverse movie. It's a a (laughs) multiverse movie. Except both universes are very boring. (laughs) So it's it's kind of like, what's the point? Like it's one that's really weird because it's like, it's such a fun concept. And I do, I think it could work with... Frankly, my apologies to Gwyneth Paltrow, a more charming actress. Yeah, no, she's really like, hard to she's, love. It's not, it's like, she just is such a, it's also her character just isn't really given any personality traits. Like, yeah. she doesn't really have, like, um, both of the dudes that she's dating have more, like, like they do all the talking kind of like she's just a reactive character she doesn't really have like an interior life Mm -hmm. and so she's really hard to root for because you're just like okay like it's cool that you broke up because it seems like you're happier but also like i don't you don't seem to like or care about anything so it's like hard to be invested in either of their relationships but that being said it's like a really cool concept for a rom-com because it is like what would happen if you caught your boyfriend cheating on you and it's like or what if you didn't but it's like it just doesn't do anything with that choice no no (laughs) um it's so it's such a funny like like what (laughs) i will say the ending is a little more exciting because it's like the realities converge in a way where like something bad happens to both of them. Her name is Helen. Uh-huh. The character's name is Helen. Um, and in the reality where she has not broken up with her boyfriend yet, she does find out he's cheating finally at the end of the movie. Thank goodness. And in her haste to get away, she falls down the stairs and falls into a coma. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My God. And then in the other reality where she has undergone like an entirely separate rom-com with the the guy that she met on the train she has gotten angry with him and then they've made up and she's like crossing the street to go call somebody after they've like said i love you to each other and she gets hit by a van oh <laughs> it's like helen's not gonna make it dude i don't know if helen's gonna make it <laughs> But like great news, so Helen we can't escape our fate. Well, so yeah, that's kind of the story. Yeah, is like you can't escape your it's fate. It's written in the stars, and it's, it's written, written in stone. Stars. It's written in stone. It doesn't matter if you're oh, Gwyneth Paltrow or not. My God! But so, either way, you're ending up in a coma. It's, it's gonna happen to you. You can't escape it. Oh, this um, girl. And so I will say, it does. It concludes very neatly where like she gets out of both comas she's fine um and in the reality where she waited a longer time to break up with her boyfriend the movie ends with her getting into the elevator at the hospital and who should be there but the guy from the other timeline because his mom's in the hospital and so they happen to be there at the same time and then the movie ends with the clo- with the sliding doors closing on them oh <laughs> perfect. my god perfect so a perfect film so embarrassing <laughs> 
<laughs> so I, I, I repeat, you can't change fate. Then. You can't change fate. And then also over the credits, thank you by Dido, please. <laughs> Just to be very clear. Oh, and this is also from 1994. Uh, 1998. Okay, so okay, a little okay, bit okay, later. Okay, okay, okay. Wow. But yeah, that's Sliding Doors. You don't need to watch it now because I told you about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to. That's amazing. I mean, maybe I will. I don't know. Yeah, who um, knows? I maybe mean, you'll like it. Maybe if it was all split screen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It took so long so talking about it. Two movies. No, no. Don't be sorry at all. I don't have a ton to say about my last movie. I will jump right to it. Since yeah, we're take running us there. Yeah. Um, again, one that like popped up on lists about movies about chance acquaintances or serendipity. And wasn't like a perfect fit not not even as perfect as sliding doors but um i watched jim jarmusch's night on earth oh which is a another anthology movie much like shortcuts mm. that is um takes place in five different cities over one night and it's all about cab drivers and the experiences they have with their fare oh perfect um and so i mean it is a coincidence and chance movie because anytime we interact with another person right we're we're potentially involving ourselves with some kind of uncanny coincidence um and it's a lovely movie it's an early one for jarmusch it is post uh stranger than paradise and down by law it's um 1991 but so it's before like his big guys Mm -hmm. it's before dead man and ghost dog and coffee and cigarettes um and i'm not a big i'm not a big jarmusch guy like i have really enjoyed a lot of his work um but I'm, I have never really felt the the hype beyond when I was like a teenager and was like, yeah, coffee and cigarettes. <laughs> um, uh, but this one was really sweet, much like Down by Law. Like it had uh, the humor in it is very Jarmusch-y and weird, but it's very sweet. Um, so obviously a huge cast as well. Since we got an anthology, though each, se- each um, segment involves very few people since it's all taking place inside mm, of a cab, mm-hmm. basically. But we have A Night on Earth in L.A., New York, Paris, Rome, and Helsinki. Whoa. Um, so our first segment is our cab driver is Winona Ryder, who's a real, like, tough, greasy gal yes. who uh, gives a ride to a talent agent who um, they they meet by chance in the airport because Winona Ryder's just dropped somebody off, and this woman has just missed a ride or something and they're both feeling down at the same moment um and yeah this uh gina rowlands's character who's the casting agent takes this ride from winona and uh winona is kind of like gruff and hard to hang with she's like chain smoking in the cab and playing music when this lady's like on business calls but it becomes clear that this woman, the casting agent, is looking for her boss wants someone who's inexperienced and like uh, the nerves of a paratrooper mm-hmm. or something is said. And so at the end of the ride offers Winona Ryder a uh, they talk a little bit about their lives and then it's like, you know what? I think you're actually perfect for uh, I'm looking for someone who's just like you for this movie. And Winona Ryder's like. No, I, I'm, <laughs> no I'm exactly where I need to be like right now in my life because like she wants all she wants to be is a mechanic. Yeah. And she's Ugh. like, yeah, no, that rules. I, I, I see that you're serious, but I'm good. So they're sweet little vignettes, right? That's the so next nice. one, yeah. the New York one is maybe my favorite because it stars um, Giancarlo Esposito mm. and the actor Armin Mueller Stahl, who I always think he's in so many things, including the X-Files. But um he plays like the the head of the Russian mob in uh, Eastern Promises. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's totally. a great actor. Um, so Armin Mueller Stahl plays a cab driver who's a German immigrant who is newly a cab driver and a d- straight up doesn't know how to drive, and um, picks up Giancarlo Esposito who's hailing for a cab in Manhattan but trying to get to Brooklyn, and I guess. In the 90s, all these cab drivers are like, no, I don't want to take you to Brooklyn, dude. Too um, far. <laughs> and, but um, Armin, whose character's name is Helmet, um, uh, picks him up. And, you know, because Giancarlo can't find a ride, uh, he has no choice but to go with this German guy who really can't drive. Uh, and so it's like, you know what? Stop the cab. 
because you just don't know what you're doing. I'm going to drive (laughs) and you'll just ride along with me. Um, And like they just have a really sweet conversation. They're both such good actors. We find out that John Carlos, John Carlos makes fun of Armin for being named Helmet. (laughs) He's like, that's a crazy name in the United (laughs) States. And then it turns out John Carlos' character's name is Yo-Yo. And so they... (laughs) I love that. It's really sweet. Um, And yeah, I mean, I so the the stories kind of bounce back and forth between being like one is one is like a little more lighthearted. One is a little heavier. I mm-hmm. can't talk about all of them. Um, we don't have the time, but, uh, yeah, this one is lovely. Like they make it to Brooklyn. And then of course, once yo, le- yo, yo leaves, which by the way, in this segment, is it a coincidence? We also get Rosie Perez. Ah! We pick up Rosie Perez. What does it mean? I know. Um, and yeah, like once, uh, yo-yo drops off helmet and you know says you know how to get back right helmet of course has no idea no um and so (laughs) they've had this really sweet lovely lovely conversation and then all of a sudden it gets you get the it's it really captures the loneliness of being in a city really well that's so sweet because as soon as you're you're disconnected from this this other human and this human moment and this kind of like little moment of care he helmet is alone and lost he's thrown back into the into the deep end yeah, yeah. oh heartbreaking um, yeah so <laughs> i en- i really enjoyed night on earth um it wasn't a mind-blowing movie but it was really sweet and very i like a slice of life movie yeah that sounds great and the performances were really lovely um yeah the one that takes place in rome has roberto benini in <gasps> yes. it um which and it's very funny uh yeah Night on Earth is great, and it's streaming on HBO Max. Oh, that's amazing. I've seen very few Jim Jarmusch movies, so I would like to hop in with something like that that's like a little more accessible to me. Yeah. A person it's who very is accessible. not really into his vibe. Yeah, very accessible. <laughs> it feels very of its time. Yeah, like totally. The way that it is slice of life and kind of like nothing terribly dramatic happens. I love it. I love um, that stuff. Yeah, it's good. It's also just like, yeah, movies that are just about people having conversations. I feel like as, as long as the people having the conversations are compelling. Yeah. It's so you can watch it for hours. Yeah. It's like, I love this. It's a good anthology. It's yeah. a totally. And there are not a lot of good anthology movies out it's there. It's true. A lot of them are not good. <laughs> yeah. And some of the better ones are the ones where it's all one director. Yeah, totally. Um, it makes more sense. Just doing the yeah. vignettes. But yeah, it's Mm-mm. a sweet one. Oh, wow. Lovely. <gasps> well, this has been so lovely to be here with you. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Full of chance. What a what a what luck, yeah. let me say instead, that we're here together on the radio. You know it's no coincidence. It's no coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> this is fate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um this has been Dim the Lights with Jenny and Amanda. We're here every second and fourth Tuesday of the month from seven to eight PM here on WGXC. Acre 90.7 FM. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at Dim the Lights with Jenny and Amanda, all one word. And uh, we'll be back in just about two weeks. Yep. With our next stuff. Good night, y'all. This letter I read If you like pina colada